In this valley of heart's delight, you will find life pleasurable, toil honorable, and recreation plentiful. No! 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 Why? Why would anyone do that? It was a time when anything was possible, at least in the imagination. The peak, peak Wolverine. Gene. Gene. That's right. what he always said, Andy, in Wolverine, because he like loved Gene, right? Mm-hmm. But Cyclops was with Gene. Yeah, and he'd always go like, and like he'd go, Gene, Gene, Gene. He'd like talk. He'd like whisper Gene under his breath because he loved Gene. I'm pretty sure I saw that in the '90s. Gene. Yeah. Yeah. So good. <sighs> mm, Captain Crunch and some X Men. I know what I'm doing later tonight. <laughs> um, okay. You want to do this? And he's like, I'm educated. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All right. <sighs> and welcome to. What are, uh, <laughs> you forget the name every. Anthony <laughs> cannot remember the name of his own this podcast. This is episode 13. <laughs> episode 13 of Valley of Hearts Delight. I am Anthony. Woo, 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 woo. With me is Care Bear, Scorpion Snake. I call him Caden. Woo, 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 And next to me, looking at me like I'm a total fucking psycho, is Andy. It, I mean, Dr. God Joe. Damn it, <laughs> we finally got it on tape. Can we please fire this asshole? <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. We, I'm a little out of practice. I mean, I mean, we took a longer break after your wedding or between... Yeah, after your wedding. We did? For the whole wedding. Yeah, we we didn't meet for like two or three weeks. But we were like cranking out episodes up until that point. Yes, like true. Really and then fast. we it's been a tad interrupted. Fair, fair, fair. Well, all right. Let's get right into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All greasy. Let's so, do it. What are we talking about? Now, Anthony. Yes. <laughs> I know this is hard for you. The name of the podcast is The Valley, Valley of Hearts, Hearts Delight, Delight, which... As we know, is a nickname for the Santa Clara Valley. Santa Clara Valley. Yes, Santa yes. Clara, where we are, the Santa yes. Clara Valley. That where we live. But did you also know? No. It has another nickname. What? It's also become known as Silicon Valley. <laughs> what? Oh. A term first credited to Don Hofler in his 1971 article, Silicon Valley USA, in the Electronic News Weekly trade newspaper. That sounds like a absolutely exhilarating read. Oh my god! Can you imagine Can, the graphs in that yes. newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> well, with the release of the single chip microprocessor in 1974, came the technology boom that has been shaping the Santa Clara Valley and Bay Area at large for the past several decades. Among the companies born out of this tech boom, titans of industry like Apple, Adobe, eBay, Cisco, Oracle, Google, and McAfee antivirus. Oh hell yes! Oh, finally. And John oh, McAfee. Oh, you were talking yes. about this. You were talking about this, Andy. Okay. John McAfee, founder of 
McAfee antivirus is exactly whom we will be covering Holy today. Shit. Yes. Yay. What? I actually don't know the story. Andy does. So I'm going to be the one. Paranoid go, huh? kook. What? Well, you can let me know because as we'll see, it's a bit of a, a twisting turning path. Uh, our main <laughs> sources are the uh, extensive coverage on uh, John McAfee over the years by Wired, Wired. and the wonderful Netflix decrim- doc- Netflix documentary. Uh, or I guess it was originally a Showtime documentary, currently on Netflix. Go watch it. It's called Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee. <laughs> Whoa, where's this guy? I have not I, I seen that. That that I, I have no have idea. To check this that is out. interesting. Yes. So he please, Caden, tell me so, that you also were able to read the virtually daily updates in the Belizean newspaper. No. Yes. What? I will have. Oh, yes. we might have to do a little, little rewind in time after this episode and cover that as well. Uh, but let's dive right in. Mm-hmm. John David McAfee was born on September eighth, nineteen forty-five, in Cinderford, Forest of Dean, Gloucestershire, England, on, as best I can tell, the Royal Air Force Fairford Military Base to an American soldier father stationed at the base and a British mother. I say, as best I can tell, because there is sparse information about McAfee's history on the internet and apparently no biography written upon him, though McAfee claims his biography titled No Domain is being written by a famed cocaine smuggler, George Boston Young. (laughs) And if anyone writes... My biography. I hope it's a cocaine. Right. I guess uh, I have to. You m- hope it's cocaine. cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, much, much like. Uh, I hope. I hope Stephen cocaine. King's books written by cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> well, consequently, I have to work uh, off of the information present in the interwebs and the research of others. And as we will see, McAfee has done a bang-up job of ensuring that whatever truth does exist in the morass of his life is inextricably interwoven with innumerable lies, fabrications, and exaggerations. This, as we have increasingly seen of late, serves to undermine the very bedrock of what we can determine to be true. Regardless, let's push on. Though born in England, John an only child was raised in the Salem Roanoke area of Virginia, where he and his mother suffered greatly at the hands of his abusive alcoholic father. McAfee's father, who John described as, quote, a very unhappy man, for better or for worse, killed himself when John was 15 years old. Jeez. Something that McAfee says he wakes up thinking about every single day. And reading interviews with John is probably the single most haunting thing in his life. His dad must have been, I'm going to guess, so like a World War II vet? Yeah, probably. Born, He was born in 1945 in a British Air Force base, probably like a World War II GI. Probably yeah. seen some shit. Yeah. Doesn't make it okay to beat your wife and I'm son. Not, I'm not, I'm not excusing Anthony. anything he's done. I'm just saying, Jeez. I'm just putting the pieces together mm-hmm. about like this guy's background. Sure, 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 sure. Well, jumping forward. John attended Roanoke College, graduating in 1967 with a bachelor's in mathematics. Here, he began demonstrating the shrewd tactics that would make him a successful entrepreneur, making, according to McAfee himself, which we'll hear a lot of this, (laughs) 
he made a small fortune selling magazines door to door, which is, again, something that you could do in the 1960s. He would disarm potential customers with news that they had won a free magazine subscription. With his confident, rapid-fire speech, McAfee would relate to them that they had all they had to cover was a small shipping and handling fee. And in his own words, quote, So, in fact, I am explaining to them why it's not free and why they are going to pay for it. But the ruse worked. Aw, oh, man, this guy seems like a real great guy. Off the bat. <laughs> It was also at college that he began demonstrating his potentially genetic predisposition for alcoholism. Wow. I thought you were going to say immense paranoia. I I don't know, like your schizophrenia. (laughs) Yeah, like... We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, After graduating from Roanoke, he began pursuing a PhD in mathematics at Northeast Louisiana State College in 1968, where he got kicked out for sleeping with one of his undergraduate students, whom he later married. After the, you can't do that back then. I think it's generally frowned upon, probably to today too. Back then, hmm. why are you looking at me? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> yeah, that, that is a good guess. Why are you looking at me? Because you're the only one here with a PhD. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, no, you don't do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not okay. Oh, okay, I'm just curious. Um, you have to be a full professor to do that. Exactly. Right? Yes, you have to yes. be tenured. <laughs> Uh, after the Northeast Louisiana fiasco, he found work coding punch card programs for UNIVAC in Bristol, Tennessee. Though not too much later, he was fired after he was arrested for buying marijuana. Oh my God, this guy is just just checking all the boxes of a oh delinquent. Oh man, there, there's there's having sex. There are so weed. many boxes yet to be checked, Anthony. Well, mm. he seems like a pretty chill guy right now. Yeah. So we'll see. Oh, and it should. Be I that. don't know the story. <laughs> Let me say it again. I do not know what's about to happen. So for oh, me, you saying, certainly don't. So for me, just call him a chill guy. I'm just going off of like, and I don't know, like I don't know how old is. Apparently, he married this woman, so I'm assuming hopefully she was of age. Yeah, she was a college student. Okay, so yes, yeah, everything's chill. Yeah, he's just a little. Oh, oh yeah, it's, it's so Look, chill. You know what though? This is this is the bet. This is like the this is how a good story starts though, right? Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. always like it's like that movie Blow with Johnny Depp. Never seen it. Oh, great movie. Penelope Cruz. Oh, she there's like naked parts with her, right? No. What am I thinking? Swordfish? That's Halle Berry. That's Halle Berry. Two they're totally different movies and but that's different not people. The, but that's not the good Halle Berry naked movie. Oh my god. Uh well, luckily, his lawyer was able to uh I can't remember avoid, the name of it. <laughs> avoid this conviction getting placed upon his record. But ultimately, his experience with UNIVAC eventually gave him the skills needed to gain employ at the Missouri Pacific Railroad in 1969. And by this, I mean he was able to cobble together an entirely falsified, albeit impressive, resume that got him the job, where he coordinated train schedules using early IBM computing system. your brain just stop <laughs> I, burped. I burped mid between the m and the s uh it was during this time at missouri pacific that he began experimenting with drugs like lsd dropping acid in the morning then going to work to route trains all day <laughs> he seems like a groovy yes, guy man he's a, groovy, he's a guy. groovy guy yes uh he was also introduced to n-dimethyltryptamine also known as dmt, DMT. Ooh, that's a fun one he decided one morning to do a line of the orange powder, and after feeling nothing, 
decided to snort the entire bag that Holy he had. Holy Which I mean makes sense. Shit. Right? If you could not elucidate, if you're not familiar with DMT, if you could not elucidate from the general principle of snorting an entire bag of anything, this was not a great idea. McAfee said of this decision, quote, within an hour, my mind was shattered. Well, I mean, so like a normal, like if you smoke at a normal DMT trip, it's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most. But it feels like a lifetime, It right? feels like a long time. I've never tried or something it, but like, heard Yeah, and then you like see an entity and all it. I mean, if anyone's listened to Joe Rogan's podcast, you know all about fucking DMT. The guy, that's all he talks about. But, um, so yeah, the, the idea that he did like an entire bag sounds insane. Well. As Wired journalist Joshua Davis describes in his coverage of McAfee, quote, people asked him questions, but he didn't understand what they were saying. The computer <laughs> was spitting out train schedules to the moon. He couldn't make sense of it. <laughs> he ended up behind a garbage can in downtown St. Louis, hearing voices and desperately hoping that nobody would look at him. He never went back to Missouri Pacific. Part of him believes he's still on that trip that everything since has been one giant hallucination and that one day he'll snap out of it and find himself back on his couch in St. Louis listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> and I think at this point, the best any of us can hope for is that our reality is just John McAfee's DMT hallucination. Yep. Yeah. DMT <laughs> is the active ingredient in ayahuasca. Is it? Yes. I learned hmm. that. I learned that today. Actually, yeah, I listened to a podcast with Sam Harris, and he had a guy talking about psychedelics for PTSD uh, patients for their recovery. Cool. They talked about ayahuasca. We were talking. Uh, we were talking about how my on my Instagram, uh, an ad popped up uh, about basically like catered ayahuasca experiences that you can now take as like a tourist thing. You can like go and. They'll have a quote-unquote shaman guide you through your own spirit journey, which, as we talked about, is probably just some blonde, oh, it's, blonde it's, dude with dreadlocks named Brad who's like, I will be your spirit guide. Yeah, who, who's wearing a fucking bed sheet and has like a fucking stick with a quartz crystal stuck on top of it. And be like, whoa, you. man, sure, I'm a shaman. Maybe, uh... Sure. So one day, he'll snap out of it and find himself back on his couch in St. Louis listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. From there... Well, I wonder, why do they call it the dark side of the moon? Weird, right? <laughs> Actually, oh, this is a throwback. I get it. <laughs> oh. As uh, I read it recently in an article, that's a, a bit of a misnomer, Andy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, okay, I want to say something about that. I kind of felt like I was like, so I was technically not, I'm going to say I was 50% wrong. Wow, that's very big of you to yeah, that's, focus that's, on that's, to focus on the generous. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm because technically Only. I think that's the, it's like just a little over on the line of admitting that you're mm-hmm. wrong. But mm-hmm. very, very big of you. Thank you. That's From there, <laughs> hey, I had a, God. All right, From there, sorry, that's not even a good one. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. uh, from there, no, I mean that's what she said. It's no, I. Uh, nah. All right, Jesus all right. Christ, hey, get, on get with back it. on track. Dark Side of the Moon, great album. Uh, from there, he went on to work as a software designer for Univac, as an operating system architect for Xerox, and as a software consultant for the Computer Sciences Corporation. From 1980 to 82, he worked for the consulting firm Booz Allen Hamilton. 
<laughs> no pun intended. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> in 1983, McAfee found himself as the director of engineering for Omex, an information storage systems company based out of Santa Clara, California. 38 years old, he was doing tons of cocaine <laughs> and selling tons of cocaine to his coworkers. Additionally, going through about a bottle of scotch per day by his account. Which is impressive. He's an entrepreneur, man. He knew, he's like, it's the 80s, people are into coke, I'm into coke, yeah. I'm gonna sell you coke. And he knew how to do it, because if he got too coked out, he'd pop Just a quaalude. Drink. <laughs> and, drink and then if scotch. he fell asleep from that, he'd do some more coke. Oh, Balance okay. it out. Yeah. Uh, eventually, he and Omex came to a quote-unquote mutual agreement for him to step down, and he left the company. <laughs> he was now drinking and doing drugs for days on end, by himself. His wife had left him. Oh, I, was, I was about to ask that question. He, he gave his dog away, and Aww. he wondered whether or not he should just go the way of his father, supposedly contemplating suicide daily. Can I ask, hmm. did he never had kids? That we know of. Okay. Well, I, okay, all right. Thank God. That he knows of. That he knows of. Okay. As of yet, he has no children in this story. Okay. Um. After meeting with a therapist who recommended going to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, it was at an AA meeting that he opened up, started crying, and someone gave him a hug and told him that he wasn't alone. He claims that since that day, he has been entirely sober. Mm. <laughs> While working for Lockheed in 1986, <laughs> oh my God. just failing upwards, McAfee read in San Jose's Mercury News about the Pakistani brain computer virus, the first computer virus. And it was from this that McAfee would begin playing with different types of code to develop the antivirus software that would one day bear his name. In the late 80s, early 90s, computer viruses were new. They were sexy and they were scary. With names like the Pakistani Brain and Michelangelo, viruses started to seem like hurricanes, and McAfee demonstrated his media savviness, capitalizing upon the public's growing fear of infection that he himself helped to propagate. Uh, can I ask? Oh, this is nineties, early, early nineties, late. Oh, okay, late eighties. Okay, so like, com I'm trying to like computers would be. Home computers are now available at this point, right? Home oh, computers, yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Home computers would have been around for a while, and it, it was right at the very outset of relatively widespread access to the internet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, and that, and that that was the big concern, was that, like, once people were, were connected to the internet, the spread of the viruses became much, much, much more risky. Mm -hmm. I mean, prior to that, you would have to literally have somebody, like, carry a virus on like a, a disc into a like a workplace disc. to like, yeah. A, yeah. Cause they all had intranets. Right. Right. They weren't connected to the world wide web. Mm. I mean, so like this, this was close to around the time that I, I went to college in like the early nineties. And like that, that was like right when like, I remember the college I went to was like just getting connected to the, the world wide web. But like, it was like the, the internet was insane. Web. The it, World Wide the, Web. The internet was insane then. I mean, because it, it was literally like, like the Wild West. Yeah, like, new, there was totally so entirely much new crazy territory. Shit. Yeah, and 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 like nobody had any idea what the fuck like they were doing. So, well, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe in my reading, the Pakistani brain, which was the first computer virus, wasn't actually harmful. It was basically just a self-replicating piece of code. They would take different bits of information and record them. 
And so really what it was meant to do was kind of, as you were saying, like, this was a whole new thing. So somebody set it out there just to be like, how far, like, how far can this yeah. go? Like how we don't even know what this is capable of. So it was, it didn't necessarily damage anything, the first virus, but Interesting. that kind of made it apparent that yeah. like, oh, like we're just all open to anything. Not all viruses, as we know, were just meant to be exploratory. March 16th, 1992 was marked as the day when the Michelangelo doomsday virus was supposed to hit the world's computers. In February of 1992, McAfee predicted that over 5 million personal computers would be affected. Just days before the virus was expected to drop, McAfee changed his estimation to between 50,000 and 5 million. No. <laughs> Bit of a wide range. <laughs> to give you a sense of how Michelangelo actually performed, according to a Vice News report, three out of Boston University's 2,000 campus computers were infected, and within AT&T's network of 250,000 business computers across the world, Michelangelo affected two. Wow curious uh mm -hmm. now the vice reporter that did that article was that person on acid when he wrote that very possibly because vice is just so groundbreaking and they are the worst. as as we'll get into in the next episode with, the with john they really are in fact the worst do you know uh, they, have you seen them who the vice, vice the vice yeah, it's just like like we, we went to a dog guy, show we, yeah we went to a dog show on acid you're like okay I mean, is that is that news or is that entertainment? Like, I, like, which is it? It's newsertainment. It's news or it's newsertainment. Newsertainment. News. I got. Yeah, I'll work on it. Regardless of the efficacy or lack thereof of the alleged doomsday virus, the seed had been planted in the public consciousness, and many people began downloading antivirus software onto their personal computers for the first time. McAfee began giving his software away for free giving the impression of a vaccine to be shared with the world, something necessary in these new uncertain times. But That's I remind really you of his... Smart. Yeah, think about... Well, remember the free magazine subscriptions that he was yeah, he, giving out. Well, he... Knew, oh, man, this, he oh. kind of... Oh, Andy. He kind of reminds me... <laughs> Dr. Jones, <laughs> Think what? about it. He reminds me of... Uh, this is kind of reminding me of uh, Wolf on Wall Street, but like for Silicon Valley. I don't know that whole story but oh really oh that's Leonardo DiCaprio right? yeah good movie yeah I didn't watch it oh you should totally watch it of course it's is, no, there, it's, is no, there one without Leonardo DiCaprio in it no. is there an edit without him no dude no I, no actually I'm not like I'm not like a super Leo super fan but that actually is like the perfect movie for him he just yells a lot but like it's perfect for the character just like what's eating Gilbert Grape yeah perfect it's, movie for he's him. such a spank <laughs> you're not watching you're not watching it because it's DiCaprio you're watching because it's a Scorsese film Katie mm, or Care Bear mm. and Henry Zabrowski's in it and that's true yeah I'd watch it for him I'll watch it for him it's a good movie well on March 7th 1992 the day after the Michelangelo virus hit McAfee left his post at the National Computer Security Association and by 1993 he had started McAfee Associates, his young company of around 20 people, many of which were John's friends and relatives, and they controlled 67% of the antivirus market and were pulling down $14 million in revenue annually, which is almost $25 million adjusted for today. 
The early days of Mac, the Associates are described as an almost cult-like tech startup atmosphere. People would sleep for days at a time under their desks to ensure that John was pleased with them and the work that they were producing. Three women, who were reportedly witches, would hold <laughs> chants and rituals in the conference room. What? <laughs> Dude, yes. man, I, my job, I'm not going to say anything, <laughs> is wonderful. <laughs> and you are happy there. Yes. One of his, cut it, bleep it out. Uh, one of his former employees. <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of my <laughs> coworkers he's, listening He's to already this. admitted earlier that while he was working today, he managed to listen to a podcast about <laughs> ayahuasca. So come on. No, like, I mean, I ayahuasca, it was, it was an informative podcast. Anyway. It's very informative. <laughs> it's educational. Uh, one of his former employees said of McAfee, quote, he wasn't the typical suit and tie guy. And this is pretty apparent when you look at the Little Foxes, which was a group of male coworkers who would have competitions, hmm. checking off different locations in the office where they could have sex. Oh, wait, with each other? No. Oh. Just like a game <laughs> to see like, oh, hey, I fucked on that desk. Oh, I fucked on the conference room table. <laughs> and administrative assistants, predominantly women at the time. Administrative assistants, predominantly women in this time, would have to come in early to wipe down the office from whatever had occurred oh, the night before. Yeah, dude, this dude. is sounding exactly like Wolf on Wall Street. They sound terrible. Yeah, they were terrible uh, people. I'm not saying it. Yeah, <laughs> the movie's fun, but the guy was terrible. Uh, John was also described as brilliant, but paranoid. Almost as if there was something inherent in his person that made him more sensitive to potential threats. Investors wanted to grow the company to the next level, but John either didn't want to or couldn't do that. Perhaps both. So, in 1994, McAfee left the company, and by 1996, the remainder of his shares were bought out, making him a multimillionaire. May I ask a question? Mm -hmm. when, you wrote, when you say he couldn't do that, like, what do you mean he couldn't do that? I mean, he potentially just did not have the skills to... Grow, oh, I see. Grow the company, oh, okay. like you know, he 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 did not have the prowess to like develop it to where the investors wanted to go. I just I can imagine like the investors like going to him, like we need you, we want to grow the company. He's like, yeah, I can't do. And he's he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. no, that. for sure, totally on your page. Get it? One hiccup. Don't know how to do that. Yeah, excuse <laughs> me while I snort this line. Yeah, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> what do you mean you can't do? This? Yeah, I just I like I just like figure his reason. But <laughs> I just I can't do it. I'm just gonna go. Like you don't know how. I'm just go. <laughs> you don't know know how to do it. I I just can't do it. I can't do it. What does that mean? Yeah, I, just, I can't do it. Like, <laughs> yes, I imagine that's a feasible situation. <laughs> and again, yes, as again, it should be noted we're going off of. A lot of people's, of other people's research, the whole McAfee story is hmm. very murky. Sounds like it's a bunch of hearsay. It is. But that's kind of what he wants. Did you see where I was going with that? It's relevant. Anyway. After leaving McAfee Associates, he founded Tribal Voice, which touted <laughs> itself as a Native American company run by Native Americans. <laughs> what an asshole. Eventually, the references oh to Native American ties God. dwindled and disappeared, and the company moved its headquarters from Woodland Park, Colorado, to Scotts Valley, California. Did yeah. you know that uh, Elizabeth Warren was also part of Tribal Voice? 
<laughs> I, uh, well, slightly underdeveloped joke, but you got, you got the point. I, I got it. the whole, the whole, yeah, yeah, Native yeah. American thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with tribal voice, McAfee dabbled in the early days of instant messaging and social networking, creating one of the first chat programs appropriately named Powwow. Oh, dude. By 2001, Tribal Voice had been acquired by one company, which merged with another who eventually closed Tribal Voice. So this was like almost, it was almost like the first social media. It was in the days of uh, AIM and MSN Messenger. It was like and the so same like, kind of deal. Oh, okay. Yeah, kind of those, those are, oh, I, yeah, I kind of aim. grouped that in. That is like the early, you know, uh, amphibian walking out of the water what was as your, it came to social media. What was your aim uh, green heffalumps. What about, did you ever have one? Green you? what? Heffalumps. Green heffalumps. Green what is that? Heffalumps. Like heffalumps and woozles from Winnie the Pooh. Heffalumps and woozles. Uh-uh. We'll that. Did you have one? Do, are you asking me if I had an AIM? Yeah, because that would have been like college for yeah, you. Yeah, right? I, that was so long ago. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. I, I remember mine. No, <laughs> although I will say this. I don't PhD. believe I ever did have an AOL <laughs> messenger. I don't. I don't think I did. No, you didn't. Mine Fair. Was, mine was hail to the machine because I was like into Rage Against the Machine and like Ministry, and wow, like, I was like and, and Hitler apparently. And <laughs> hail, hey, what? hail no. to the machine. No, not was, hail was, to the machine. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be ironic because it was like Rage Against the Machine, and then he's like, oh, "I'm going to flip this on its head." Hail, hail to, to the, the machine. machine. Yeah, you got it. God, you fucking brag. Yeah, yeah that's, something that's, else. That's some you deep shit, it. Anthony. Yeah, I was edgy. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> it was at this time uh, in the early 2000s that McAfee seemed to intentionally exit the business world completely, buying 280 acres in Colorado for a yoga and meditation center near his 10,000 square foot mansion. Over the next few years, McAfee wrote several books on the yogic process, including Beyond the CDs. Supernatural Powers in the Sutras of Patanjali. Patanjali. I have no idea, dude. The Fabric of Self, Meditations on Vanity and Love, The Secret of the Yamas, A Spiritual Guide to Yoga, and Into the Heart of Truth, The Spirit of Relational Yoga. Damn. I just want to punch this guy. I have a feel. I guarantee I want to read you, these books. I, you know, you, you want to read these books? Apparently, they cover everything from yoga to telepathy to levitation i guarantee you it's the same book and he just reprinted them under different titles mm. and if you if you really read with your third eye you get the different messages and you know, and you know what because he knew that people buy those books and never fucking read them guess what you're all getting for christmas yeah. oh look <laughs> yeah complete, oh, look. the complete mcafee series look kaden's levitating oh no wait he's just sitting on a stack of John McAfee's books. <laughs> <laughs> According to McAfee, he had a long and storied history with yoga and meditation. Quote, I studied yoga and meditation my entire life, starting with Maharishi Mahesh in 1982. <laughs> Your entire life? <laughs> starting in 1982. <laughs> yeah. He ran meditation retreats for several years, offering pithy insights into the nature of existence, such as... To live is to die simultaneously. Hell yeah. <sighs> Man. That's deep as hell. Snap, snaps for that. 
A friend of his, who once thought him to be enlightened, noticed a sudden shift in his personality, moving away from all the yoga shit. In McAfee's <laughs> words, quote, I was doing retreats for free. Everyone eventually took advantage. I quietly moved on. And he was like, I can't make money off this anymore. Mm. Well, then came the Great Economic Recession of 2008, where McAfee reportedly lost close to $90 million, approximately 90% of his net worth Mm -hmm. at the time. Whoa. During an interview in the midst of selling his estate and most of his material possessions, he very sagely stated, quote, the things we want and the things we need are two different things. Again. Now, now, so he, was he just like invest, what did he, all his investments were just like in the the in the worst places? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Because usually like the people who were fine were all the rich people. Or, as. In that situation, when that happened. Or, or alternatively, as he told Nanette Bernstein, who directed Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee. He said to her, quote, I have been sued numerous times. I spread the rumors that I lost my money. Oh, my God. It worked. What? He was also dodging two lawsuits at the time, including somebody that had died at his flight academy. <laughs> oh, my God. He had a flight academy? He did. That is <laughs> an entire thing. I actually just learned about this whole thing today. We'll, we'll is he eventually... still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Man, so, I have a feeling he's going to be appointed to the Trump administration pretty soon. <laughs> oh, he's actually many. part of the shadow government already. Uh, so he was dodging two lawsuits at the time. So abruptly leaving the U.S. might have been the right move. Exactly. Uh, he did what any self-respecting, uh, rich man, sketchy yeah. ass criminal would do. He bailed. He, he just cashes in his chips and buys property and. Latin America. <laughs> well, whatever the truth of the matter may be, whether or not he actually lost his money or very cleverly deceived everyone into thinking that, a short while later, he announced that he would be moving to South America to begin research into natural medicines. <laughs> natural, natural medicines. medicines. <laughs> he's like, I want some more of that ayahuasca. <laughs> oh, no, he's sober. Exactly. Of course. Mm-hmm. I don't want any of that DMT shit. I want to go straight to the source. I want, I want, the I want to be right unadulterated ayahuasca. I, I want cocaine to my left. I want ayahuasca to my right. Put them both together and, and, and have, have a, a delight. Night. Have some fun tonight. True to his word, later that year, McAfee had relocated to prime beachfront property in the sleepy island town of San Pedro, Belize, a place known to be a haven for expat Americans, especially ones attempting to escape arrest. By the way, not South America. Oh, that's true. That's Central America. Central America. That's what you wrote. Thank you. But. South Central America. It certainly is. No, it's actually, it's like, it's, cent- it's like Central it's Central like, America. It's like, Central, it's like Central in the America. middle of everything. It's, it's literally just, just South of North America. Yeah. Um, Thank but, you. But, but. San Pedro is one of the most fantastic places you could ever imagine going. So it if seems. If you decided that you needed to get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> well, apparently, every four to six months, U.S. Marshals will sweep through the town, <laughs> collecting whomever they, whoever yes. might be on the run that they've tracked to San Pedro. 
And soon, McAfee began establishing his presence in San Pedro, making considerable donations of equipment to the local police department, including stun guns, truncheons, handcuffs, pepper spray. And San Pedro Mayor Daniel Guerrero noted, quote, he donated a lot of tasers. <laughs> <laughs> Upon receiving his permanent resident status, yes. McAfee but, oh, donated. Oh, by the way, yes. by the way, at that time, you could still purchase Belizean citizenship for, I think, I think it may have only been $4,000. Wow. Really? Maybe five. Well. Maybe five. Well, McAfee was so grateful for receiving, not paying for, receiving <laughs> His permanent resident status, uh, that he donated a $1 million boat to the Belizean Coast Guard. Oh, that'll do it. That will do it. You, you got you to, man, think about it. Like, what is the best possible way to be able to just keep doing incredibly sketchy shit? Is just basically buy off an entire government. Yep. It's almost as, it's almost as if we, it, it's worrying that you are just so on point with where this is going. I know you you kind of know Remember. the story, but you've been there. I've, I I literally have been there. Andy literally literally murdered somebody in San Pedro. No, no, that's not, <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh, not true. That's not true. Nor did I bury myself in my front yard to that person detection lived by the police. Easy that person Easy lived. There. They thought he was yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. He crawled out of the shallow his, his grave. His heart stopped, but you know it's they, fine. Uh. Well, in 2009, uh, John started a boat ferry service and began cultivating jungle plants as the base for what he saw as the future of medicine. Quote, this is an entrepreneur's paradise here. There are virtually no regulations on business. (laughs) Enter into this story, Allison Adonizio, a Harvard postdoctoral microbiologist. She had traveled to Belize hearing stories of its culture and beauty, and there met John McAfee. Within minutes of meeting each other, he offered her her dream job, where she could continue her research unimpeded by the pesky restrictions of the U.S., like ethics, and make a business out of it. She thought she had made it. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity she could not pass up. After all, this was THE John McAfee. Antivirus guru, pioneer of Silicon Valley. Levitating yoga. Levitating yogi. She sold her house, left her job in Boston, and moved to Belize. That was the right move. Right move. No. Well, Adonizio (laughs) was an expert in quorum sensing, which McAfee claimed was a groundbreaking technique for creating antibiotics. Biotics? Biotics. Antibiotics. Antibiotics? Antibiotics. I've never heard anyone call them biotics. Well, <laughs> I'm glad I could do that for Take you. Take a look at my biotics. <laughs> Man, I love when Anthony just takes advantage of like Mr. Siegel. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, I'm not saying it's, he's like so eager. He's like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, what? You see, he said biotics. I biotics. never heard of Antibi- antibiotics. Antibiotics. Sorry, I just came from Michigan, so I'm oh, just okay. like got the heavy accent. Grab some pop. Uh, so quorum sensing, according to a quick Googling that I just did, is the regulation of gene expression in response to fluctuations in cell population density. Mm, of course. Quorum sensing bacteria produce and release chemical signal molecules called autoinducers that increase in concentration as a function of cell density. So basically, they saw this as editing the genes of uh, bacteria. bacteria to basically make antibiotic antibiotic 
free antibiotics that could fight bacteria. So they, oh, they're, they're coding bacteria to fight other bacteria? Yeah, cutting-edge stuff. Initially, huh. though, he told Adonizio that there was no space for the lab in which she would be working, so she stayed with him in his home. Mm-hmm. Adonizio would later describe what she saw at his home. Armed guards, mm-hmm. numerous meetings with armed people, mm-hmm. an all-around sus vibe from the whole scenario, mm-hmm. including McAfee claiming he was working on a book with two heavily armed hulking Ukrainians. <laughs> mm-hmm. By 2010... How are the Ukrainians always in? Always everything. There. Everything. Jesus. <laughs> it's almost as if there's some larger force behind them. Or, I don't know. By 2010, McAfee said, quote, I was bored silly with living in San Pedro. So he had a local tour guide show him some archaeological sites. Upon being taken to the Lamini area, or Lamini site, in the Orange Walk district in Inland, Belize, he was immediately smitten and bought 22 acres on the banks of what the Mayans called the River of Strange Faces. How do you say that, Mayan? I don't know. I've never actually heard of the River of Strange Faces. Faces. I was hmm. gonna ask you, yeah, like, is any of this familiar to you? Because, like, oh yeah, no, absolutely. They, like, this was all happening while I was down there. Uh, dirt, oh shit, really? D- yeah, no, I like this was happening while I was doing the um, Ushpenka work and then then Aguacate, like like the same because this was like eight, oh, oh, 08 and oh, 09, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This was the most recent like field project that I was doing down there. Wow. Yeah, for the listeners, if you don't know, Dr. Jones <laughs> uh, did his <laughs> Dr. Jonesing in this part of the world. It, it did very much this, this is like This, is, this like, is your wheelhouse. This yeah. is like everything you, yeah. this is your study. And I will say, Belize is a wonderful place full of wonderful, friendly people and amazing rainforest and archaeological sites. But it also happens to be populated by some of the sketchiest fucking people I've ever met in my life. Hmm. None of whom are actually Belizean. Hmm. Of course. All of whom are expats, <laughs> mostly hmm. from North America. Hmm. And Weird. every time you meet, every time you meet an expat living in Belize, especially in some of these more remote areas. Like if you see a, the, white, a white dude in like inland Belize, you're just like, no. Nope, the nope. first question you ask is, what are you running from, man? <laughs> oh, and I, oh, yeah. I, that seems like a dangerous first question to ask at, somebody. At, at, uh, at some point, if you guys want, I can regale you with all kinds of stories of the sketchy, sketchy shit. Mm-hmm. Stories of Belize with Dr. Jones. Oh, dude, yeah. like, be, like beheadings, like, like, and like alligator massacres. Like, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's one of the most were exhilaratingly they, were they exciting massacring places I've ever been alligators, or were alligators massacring people? No, no, they were the, the they were massacring alligators. Oh, I'm not down with that. Yeah. no, it's it's an interesting story though. Well, I'm sh- yes, we we'll talk about that. Missionaries living in mansions. What? Yeah, you know that's that never never dear listener, right. dear listener, never ever donate money to any religious person. That says that they're going to go to Belize mm-hmm. to spread the good word mm-hmm. to the people. Because they're probably just going to build a mansion for themselves on the seafront. 
That's a, I, that oh, sounds like geez. a great idea. Thank you for putting that in my head. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I, I know. I what are we doing, Anthony? No, Let's I, fucking become missionaries and move to Belize. I realize it's that easy to make money. I just... <laughs> John quickly set to work in his new home, clearing land, building structures, roads, and employing around 100 people from the nearby town of Carmelita. This made him popular with the locals. Whereas most jobs paid about $25 a day, McAfee was paying 45 People loved him, respected him, and feared him. McAfee told the locals that he knew everything that was happening in the country of Belize, painting himself as an omniscient presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, dear, dear listener, if you would like to know a little bit more about this way of life, just simply read the book Lord Jim. Hmm. Mm. This is a book recommendation. Future episode. Yes. Book and recommend- no, it's 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 a book of <laughs> it's a book about like a, a sketchy ass true story like, criminal who no 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 oh. it's it, it's it's uh I think I believe it's a is it a Joseph Con a Joseph Conrad book um yeah no it's 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 like it it's a colonial like book set in the nineteenth century about a like a, a criminal that moves to a remote island nation and sets himself up as like basically like the white lord hmm. employing local people and you know building goodwill and stuff and it's hmm. just like things go horribly disastrously long it's pretty much this story sounds it's like pretty it. much mcafee's <laughs> life story written about a hundred years before he actually lived i wonder if he read this book it kind of sounds like how uh australia was founded right <laughs> So when Nanette Bernstein's documentary crew came to Carmelita and started asking around about McAfee, people, either at the behest of or out of loyalty to McAfee, took pictures and sent them to John. Joseph Conrad, the same person that wrote Heart of Darkness. Oh, okay. Which is a reference, actually, interestingly. When reading about McAfee and his time in Brazil, both he and— Belize. What did I say? <laughs> Not you, Brazil. You said Brazil. That's, maybe that's why I was Which thinking. is, in fact, in South America. I'll get it right one of these days. <laughs> uh, about his time in Belize. Belize. If you can Belize it. <laughs> oh, uh, dude. Come on, man. Uh, easy, no, easy one. No, no, no. no. Oh. That, that's like, literally, that was their national motto for, for a while. Like, Not you, Brazil. You better Belize it. What? No, really? Yeah, dude. I thought you were gonna it's say, terrible, man. I think you're about to say that's like every fucking like undergrads or like like first time like grad student doing field work's like first joke. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Nah, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's terrible. You, you best believe it. I love it. I want to get that tattooed on my forehead. Soon, John had moved his operation to the new site in Orange Walk, complete with full pharmaceutical lab. Never one to stray too far from the media's attentions, he would bring reporters around and show off the compound in elaborate laboratory. However, microbiologist Adonizio hadn't, as of yet, made any breakthroughs. Unfazed, McAfee had her fill beakers with water, dyed tantalizing colors, and make up batches of what she had already researched. As John told Adonizio, quote, It's just business. Yeah. Hmm. Now at this point, between the hiring 100 people to clear land and build a compound very close to a very busy toll bridge area, mm. to inviting reporters and touring them around on top of generally being 
probably the only white dude around for miles. And I assume took every opportunity to let anyone who would listen know that he was, in fact, that John McAfee, tech millionaire (laughs) John McAfee. He started to attract some attention to himself and not the attention that he was hoping for. John allegedly began receiving threatening phone calls, which sparked McAfee's legendary paranoia. Mm -hmm. He began hiring more and more security people, which eventually amounted to McAfee having lots of armed security personnel. One of McAfee's most trusted members of his security forces was Tino Allen, who had been convicted and sentenced to jail 22 times and who McAfee himself referred to as, quote, the most frightening man I have ever seen. Yeah, he, he was hiring guys straight out of Hattieville prison. So, like, I mean, Belize is this tiny postage stamp size country yes. that has what might be one of the most terrifying prisons, like, north of the equator in the Western Hemisphere. And, 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 and it's all, like, extremely, extremely scary, hardened criminals. And he was basically hiring people that were coming straight out and just and arming them with like extremely heavy artillery. So are we going to get into why <laughs> he needs all this military protection? Potentially. Okay. Is that, is that next episode? No, I mean, we'll, oh, okay. Hold your, what hold the, the your real, horses. like why, why I, I, is I have he so doing many questions. all of this? I'm why bursting. is he doing all of this? I'm bursting. Anthony, is there a point to any of this? Is there a point? So, yes, McAfee began amassing men with criminal records, giving them arms, vehicles, and eventually matching camouflage uniforms, mm-hmm. essentially turning the little jungle town of Carmelita into McAfee world. Is he going to try to take over the government? He opened up a police station in Carmelita. No, but it would be a little bit concerning, wouldn't it, if you were the Belizean government, not the Brazilian government. They don't care about this. Uh, He opened up a police station in Carmelita, but instead of building it for the Belizean police forces, he stocked it with his own men. Mm. McAfee also instituted an 8 p.m. curfew time in Carmelita, enforced with the threat of death if found on the streets after hours by any one of the now numerous armed McAfee police. When McAfee would travel into town himself, he would do so in a group of three vehicles and a detail of 12 armed men. And he began talking about taking over the Belizean government. Oh, my God. I called it. (laughs) (laughs) And referencing and made numerous references to hitmen that he had at his disposal. Now, he is ambitious. He is ambitious. We'll give him that. I I also want to point out, by the way, Mm -hmm. and I think this is, is kind of important. Like, we have to understand that, like, this also is a country that we're like, like Francis Ford Coppola has three, I believe now resorts in belize so like there, there's a tremendous amount of foreign like money that public is resorts or hit personal resorts yeah no no public resorts like like, like there's Coppola a, has resorts yeah yeah dude yeah, yeah. winery and everything I mean, I know and, and and they're incredibly they're right. incredibly nice but also extraordinarily expensive places that you know cater entirely just to either expats or or tourists hmm. but so that, like there's like john mcafee was is not like this kind of isolated kind of expat that's kind of pooling this weird shit in Belize. Like there, there, there's a tremendous amount of foreign investment flowing in. Obviously I'm not trying to equate like the Coppola resorts to like what <laughs> McAfee is doing, but like there, there's a, there's a fairly like wide range of like semi-legitimate businesses that, that essentially are setting up their own, like literally like mini cities with private security and shit that like, 
pretty much like people step off a cruise ship and just go directly via bus to one of these resorts. And like they, they like, cool. yeah, I mean, it's not cool. Cause you're not like, you might as well just be staying at home at that point. Cause you're not really, you're physically in Belize, but you're not experiencing any real part of the, the country. Yeah. you're just getting these like fantasy, like experiences of a tropical country. People just want to be, which is the way most Americans travel. Right. Anyway, that you, but. you ultimately like you want to travel and see the world, but ultimately, ultimately, you just kind of want to be in America, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. if you, you don't could want be, if you could be somewhere else, but still be in America, which I mean, realistically, ooh, dream. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> but, but, but the point I'm trying to make too is that, like, the the disparity between the uh, the the wealth represented by this foreign investment and mm-hmm. like the local communities oh, including yeah. the Belgian government is so huge they're like if you have enough money you can you can pretty much do whatever the hell you want right mm-hmm. and, i mean and the, like that is a good rule for everything so people just go that down there to be little dictators essentially well or, or, or to be or to be left alone right or that yeah right well and, 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 i mean and, and, and what really what really sucks is that like even those that people that are setting up legitimate businesses are creating a structure where like almost none of the money ends up staying in Belize, you know? So it, so it like, it, it ends up exacerbate, it, it exacerbates the issue because while local people might be able to work for $45 a day, which is an astronomically high income, that still is like the disparity between like what they're making a day versus what people that are staying at these places are paying for like a meal mm-hmm. or even more so like a night stay is, is just incredibly astronomically divergent. So you end up with, uh, I mean, it's, it's just a kind of neo-colonial system where you end up with a, a, an impoverished local governance and, and population who are kind of permanently marginalized from having access to any of the benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like McAfee is obviously like, a more egregious example of, of like exploiting that. Yes. But there are a lot of other people doing But he's their things. friend. Yeah. He's doing such good things for the community. And I don't know why you're such a hater about these types of things. Oh, this is why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to throw in right now. Trigger warning, whatever warning. Shit's about to get Shit's real. About, right? Shit's about to get crazy. real, real not great <laughs> for Allison Adonizio. Uh oh. Who decided that at this point, with the armed guards and threat of violence and numerous convicted felons that were just constantly around her as she was trying to do her work, she decided that she wanted to go home and thought that she could go have a talk with John about this at some point in their conversation as allison was explaining her decision she began crying i'm sure from a combination of stress and fear and pressure and living on a compound attempting to manufacture state-of-the-art groundbreaking pharmaceuticals for john mcafee in the belizean jungle in a compound surrounded by armed guards (laughs) (laughs) what could go wrong what could go wrong mcafee to calm her down gave her two pills and some rancid orange juice. Mm. But it was not meant to calm her down. And Allison soon succumbed to the drugs that McAfee had given her, remembering only flashes of McAfee standing over her naked as she faded in and out of consciousness, waking up in the morning 
dizzy, sick, bleeding, and dry heaving. Okay, this guy's now a total piece of shit. If you were on the fence before, I think this kind of does it. So we have now transitioned into rape territory. Yeah. The next day, when confronted by Adonizio, McAfee acted as if nothing had happened. But when she brought it up again, the whole business of her leaving for the U.S., McAfee went apoplectic. And Allison, fearing for her life, locked herself in her lab and began destroying everything, including, in her words, any of the reagents that he could have used against someone. More of a commentary on what McAfee was having her work on rather than her personal scientific ethics. While locked in her laboratory, she bought a ticket home and sent an email to her father and it was just as she sent this email that McAfee cut the power to the lab screaming and pounding on the door before leaving and returning with a gun Adonizio texted friends that she had made in Carmelita who eventually came to retrieve her after McAfee had given up attempting to force his way in they hid her in one of their relatives houses for the night and Allison Adonizio left Belize the very next oh, day. Oh, man, she got out. Oof. After returning to the United States, she reached out to the FBI, who claimed they had no jurisdiction in Belize and thus could not help her pursue any justice for McAfee's actions. So now, but now, could she go to the CIA? I don't know anything about that. There's anything. I don't think you go to the CIA. You know, I think I, the CIA I, comes to you. Yeah, I don't and, know and, and I, I think for... Like an unless it's like an international crime, uh, I, 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 as in like and and like the CIA wouldn't be involved. I mean, if the FBI can I think is can investigate like if like they get involved with if things are like smuggled into the U.S. Uh, from from ex, well the from CIA outside is and things our like espionage. That. Oh yes, that's true. The, the I, CIA I, so is not a law enforcement F- body. Yeah, oh, it's, that's it's an FBI information like gathering a, body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. but but like I I think like in this case like she would have to go to the Belizean authorities to try to get any sort of justice. And, and I mean, I can tell you right now, the last time I was down there, like we had five students held up at gunpoint and like, I went to the police and we're like, are you guys going to do anything about this? And their response was, they shouldn't have been walking through that park after dark. Yeah. Like, I mean, they were like, and, and it was very, it was a very clear message. It was like, I mean, if I had given them money, they may have made a show of trying to do something about it. And I'm sure they probably knew who the kid was that, that pulled the gun. But they weren't going to fucking do anything, especially not for a bunch of, like, gringos who were there right. for a brief period of time. And, I mean, they, they literally were pretty much just laughing in our faces. And luckily, nobody got hurt. But and like, right. Like, and then like, now like, you like, talk about going up. That's just people, like, you know, some, like, tourists who are getting robbed at gunpoint let alone going up against john mcafee who who has, has already donated yeah private yeah. army has now donated over a million dollars in money and equipment to the belize exactly. government yeah they're, they're not going to do anything no and and even if they tried to i mean even if they sent the the belize defense force out like they would probably be outgunned by these these guys that he had guarding the, the compound yeah brutal yeah, no, it, it it truly is brutal. It, it's it's no, where yeah, you. Yeah. It, I, I mean that. Fully. That is where you do actually start to, at least to some degree, like appreciate the structure of kind of 
legal enforcement that a we do have here in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a there's a functioning government there. It, it just it doesn't have the resources to really be able to extend uh, that, that's like point, production yeah. and stuff to the the population. Yeah. I mean, I, they, again, I mean, I, I could tell you guys all kinds of stories, yeah. but I mean, I, I I know people that like had their businesses like robbed and 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 the guy was shot and killed you know and, and like Jeez. and and in that case it was people that had come across the border from guatemala and and by the time that the police showed up the the guys were back across the border Ugh. at which point again like there there's very little that the belizean government can really do about that mm-hmm. right particularly since guatemala doesn't recognize belize as a legitimate country i mean they they consider it still so. part of guatemala yeah uh, oh, i mean well, no, wow I, so I, even yeah, I, I side, I side with Guatemala. It's a disputed personally. border. <laughs> it's, wow, it's ridiculous. It, I mean, it's it is like something out of like the weird like nineteenth century colonial period. Uh, interesting, huh? Uh, so much to this episode. Yeah, and this really is the turn where McAfee goes from being a somewhat kind of <laughs> slightly unhinged, fun, to fully yeah, un- off the unhinged character to total virus of humanity he become became the, like the, he, he became the, the very the thing. anti-virus man mm-hmm. became the virus mm-hmm. oh the my virus. god this is a movie well meanwhile according to uh, once again according to mcafee there were 11 attempts to kidnap kill or rob him while in orange walk and this culminated when a man named david middleton broke into and robbed mcafee's house now not being familiar to the event of having people break into your house and steal things as he is john mcafee he wanted to make an example of david Middleton. wait a minute this guy had all these fucking armed guards and somebody was able to break in and steal shit bullshit well but see it's possible that the guy that broke in and stole shit May have been related to some of the guys yeah. that were guarding the place, and therefore, uh, you know, it's that's you know that's job. that's the way that's the way it works, man. Oh, inside yeah. job. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's, that's the way it works, you know. Okay. I, it's, All right. Yeah. It's it's yeah. like yeah, there are a bunch of armed guards, but like they don't really give a fuck. Oh yeah, like ultimately, like they're just dudes who are like getting paid to hang out with guns. There's that's no true. there's no deep loyalty to John McAfee. That's true. That's well, true. either All way. Right. Uh, McAfee enlisted help to hire three mean ass motherfuckers from George Street <laughs> in Belize uh, City. George Street, about an hour away from Carmelita. Holy shit! One of the roughest and most gang ridden areas of the entire country of Belize. Uh, the hired help was brought in to rough up David, and they did. They tortured him. They beat him. They cut him. They tasered David in the mouth, face, and genitals. And at some point, John himself arrived to talk to Middleton for a few minutes, who was eventually dumped back into town, where he was then taken to the hospital. When questioned by police, David Middleton refused to identify McAfee, went into a coma, and died. When Middleton's family tried to look into what had happened to David, they were warned to stop asking questions and leave the country. As it turns out, David Middleton was good friends with Eddie McCoy, a.k.a. Mac-10, a gang member (laughs) known for his favored use of the Mac-10 submachine gun. 
John, learning about this new character in the story, believed that Eddie was out to get him as revenge for the death of David Middleton. Eddie heard about McAfee asking about him because McAfee thought he Eddie was after him. And so then Eddie thought McAfee was after him. <laughs> and McAfee thought that Eddie was after him. And basically after a bunch of miscommunication and back and forth, the two finally decided to meet in San Pedro where they cleared things up. And John ended up hiring Eddie to join his personal <laughs> security <laughs> detail. Mac 10, get on board. So Mac 10, I like your resume. Yes. These are these are <laughs> yeah. yes, your like your buddy was basically murdered by this guy, and then he's like, Oh no, I'll come I'll come work for you. Now, people around McAfee and Orange Walk claim that he was living with a rotating group of five to six women and girls at any given time. And though McAfee claims all of his girlfriends were of legal age, mm. it's important to note that the age of consent in Belize is 16. John's first girlfriend in Orange Walk was Amy Emschweiler, a 16-year-old introduced to him by the proprietor of Lovers, a bar in Carmelita that John frequented, though he always maintains he was not drinking. <laughs> He was just hanging out at a bar where there were 16-year-olds. M. Schweiler, as it turned out, was pretty unstable, which, unsurprisingly, was a really big turn-on for John, who ended up choosing M. Schweiler over his girlfriend of 12 years, Jennifer Irwin, who was still back in San Pedro. And when Irwin came to visit John in Orange Walk, she found him hanging around a somewhat psychotic child. So when she asked John to tell M. Schweiler to leave, and he did not, Irwin left. Belize. For good. And left John behind. Probably the best decision she ever made. Yeah, I'd say so. Unfortunately for John, M. Schweiler was really just trying to get close to him so she could rob him. And after a failed attempt at shooting him in his sleep, he decided that she should move out. So he built her (laughs) a house in Carmelita. John hired a Carmelita local to drive around and find girls for him, ultimately securing between 35 and 40 girls and young women over the course of McAfee's time in Orange Walk. One of John's girlfriends claimed that she was getting paid $900 a day, and each of the women interviewed by Bernstein in her documentary asserted that they were treated the best and that they were John's favorite girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As it so often goes. And just as each woman thought they were John's favorite, they all had at least one more thing in common. Their experiences with John in the bedroom. Oh, boy. Now, while I can neither confirm nor deny this, Nanette Bernstein's documentary seems to suggest that McAfee never had sex with these people. That is to say, non-penetrative. What he would have them do is this McAfee would have his female companion of his choosing remember some of them being potentially as young as 16 sit in a special hammock why is this hammock special I'll tell you because the (laughs) hammock had a hole in it oh okay and they would sit in the hammock with their bare bottoms over the hole and they would shit in his mouth no (laughs) yes no 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 (laughs) why why would anyone do that? 
Andy, what are you gonna look up now <laughs> on my phone after that? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Andy, like, I'm waiting for, the, I'm waiting for like the like, story that goes along with this. That Andy's like, no, 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 you guys oh, keep yeah. going, keep going, keep going. I <laughs> so soak it in. She would, they would shit in his face, his take mouth, his mouth. Face. Why? Now take in this moment and reflect. On a time before you imagined a woman shitting from a hammock over John McAfee's face. No. Oh, sorry. I, sorry. I just, I just, I just looked up. Never mind. Huh? We can talk about that later. Kind of, kind of actually makes me. <laughs> you nauseous. know, it kind of makes me nauseous. <laughs> why? Really, Anthony? I can't imagine why. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you felt the need to point that out. <laughs> I mean, because I think he's really just like, he's really just thinking about Dude, okay, it. Like, <laughs> they're like, this is something, this isn't like, oh, I got shit on by like a bird. Like, you purposefully position yourself under a hammock and just watch. They if do- anything, actually, they might be like more balanced poops. No, no fast food. We don't need to talk about this. Within two years of moving to Orange Walk. They do eat a lot of corn. (laughs) 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 You know, it's actually, I'm not the disgusting one this time. (laughs) Yes, you are, man. You keep talking about it. It's amazing. Technically, McAfee is the. I love the concern that you voice though when I picked your phone up and started looking for something. Yeah, you like immediately like yes. you meet immediately. It was, grabbed it was like phone, mid, like, yeah, it was like, like mid poop discussion. Yeah, yeah, you're just like, like I gotta look something up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, guys, I gotta check something out. Like what? Are you no, doing? no, no. It's rel- It's relevant to this. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what could you have needed to see? I mean, Andy, imagine somebody taking a dump. No, no, no. Wait, and and honestly, what, what I was looking up, and 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 what like my my cry of despair was about was I, I was I was looking up one of the the famed bordellos of of oh. Belize. Oh no! And I Closed? found no, it burned down. Oh no! Apparently in 2011. Oh, I've heard that bordellos are like a phoenix, and that when one burns down, another one will rise in its place. This one was probably more like like some sort of like lumbering like like a dying penguin yes a dying penguin exactly i, I i'm pretty sure that nothing will with rise the, out of the ashes except like yeah a, a pretty like virulent strain of like hepatitis airborne, C yeah. oh, airborne like. hepatitis. <laughs> oh geez we have fun here uh it was the... one of the scariest places i've ever been in my life sounds scary yeah uh, within two years of moving to Orange Walk, McAfee had gained the interest of the Gang Suppression Unit of Belize, or GSU. The GSU is an elite specialist group of police officers with an intense reputation, essentially Belize's domestic special forces unit. They cannot be bribed. They cannot be bought. They do not come to fuck around. And in 2012... 42 GSU agents performed an early morning raid on the McAfee compound. The GSU supposedly had evidence that suggested McAfee was mass-producing narcotics and or psychotropic substances and attempting to sell them online. And in fact, there are records of McAfee posting dozens of times on an online drug discussion forum site, bluelight.ru, which I don't know if that's up, but you want to go have an online discussion about drugs blue light.ru mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
And this is the place where he claimed, he was claimed to have been looking for MDPV, a psychoactive stimulant found in bath salts. Oh, no. Jesus. But upon searching the compound, the GSU agents found blocks of something that could have been meth or cocaine, but when tested, did not demonstrate any illegal properties. And in fact, they had no idea what it was. I wonder if it's something new, something cutting edge. Mm. However, the GSU did not come all the way to Orange Walk and Carmelita to leave empty-handed. So they arrested McAfee and a few of his guards for possession of firearms without a license, and they also shot one of McAfee's dogs during the raid. Oh, puppy. I assume a guard dog, not a puppy. What a puppy. According to McAfee, a week prior to this raid, a local government official asked him to donate $2 million. And when he refused and told the official to fuck off, he got GSU'd. Ah. Mm. So well, that's, point, you know, that's kind of what happens when you set a precedent like he did, right? Yeah. When you show up and buy like a million dollar police boat and then like a local politician comes in and is like, mm, I need two million dollars. Like, you probably should give them the two million dollars. Yeah, that, yeah, it's called rent. Yeah, that's yeah. the way things like this work. Yeah. Right, but. It's a, what is it? It's John McAfee. <laughs> yes. I'm John McAfee. Do you not know? Sorry, I'm, man. I'm John McAfee. I, made I Mac- do what John McAfee wants to do. It was crazy. He's like a fucking old, like an older dude at this point too. Mm-hmm. It's not. He's not like he's like yeah. a younger. Uh, yeah, he would have been in his born in forty five, and this is two thousand and twelve. So been like in his seventies. Yeah, seventy one. That's actually kind of even crazy to think about. Like, it, this isn't like some like younger dude. Like, this is like an older guy. No. Well, he was eventually released from his initial Mm -hmm. arrest from the raid, but somewhat understandably, John's paranoia went into overdrive. So he decided to leave Orange Walk and head back to San Pedro, along with all of his bodyguards and girls and guard dogs, bringing the vibe of a jungle narcotics compound back to the quiet tourist town of San Pedro. And that is where we'll pick up next time. Right on. Whoa. Man, this guy's crazy. I'm looking at pictures of him right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is absolutely crazy. Don't looks, trust a white don't he, trust a white guy with tribal tattoos. Looks he looks like, like a really, really, really kind of more unhinged Walker, Texas Ranger. Dude, I was, I, dude, I was just about. He looks like a strung out Chuck Norris. Yeah, totally. I was just. That's exactly where I was going with that. Look, oh, he's got a picture of his wife. Current or I don't know. at the time, dude. The the <clears throat> stories kicking around Belize during this period of time about this guy. Holy were shit! I can fucking only insane, man. So what so were you insane. were like hearing stuff about this? While well, you and, were and there. it was it was in the local newspaper. Like like I was. I mean, I don't want to. I, I know you're re- still recording, but like I don't I don't want to give away like the mm. the Dano Ma. But like I mean, like I I was I remember hearing about. Yeah, I understand. Like it, it is a very small country. It, like like and, I I looked because I was looking up where Orange Walk is and like where Belize City is and where. Um, I mean, he ends up in Placentia, right? Or or. Uh, 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 what's the uh, same bite like at or after San Pedro, right? Or does he remain in San Pedro until he 
absconds. From what I've, I mean, he might have moved around a bit, but like, like he was kind of stationed at his house in San, in San Pedro. Pedro. Okay, yeah, I mean, like, and and like a lot of a lot of the guys that he was hiring, like people people knew those guys, like they were pretty notorious because they had been pretty high profile criminals. Yeah. I mean, and and it is like it is such a small country that, and the, the daily newspaper, there's not a whole lot that happens in Belize, in general, and when something is like spectacularly like fucked up happens like yeah it, it's just like front page news all day every day yeah like just one thing after another and stuff so. it's like uh it's like when some famous person like stops in in like a small town and like eats at the, like the local restaurant and they just like have that like framed on the wall yeah. like yeah. john wayne ate he ate, ate yeah. here in fucking 1945 yeah. john, john mack if he got shit upon yeah. here <laughs> God, <laughs> gross Dude, uh, he, is oh, a, they, he is a gross I mean for so many reasons just a gross human being but but you know what it it's yeah I don't know I it, it it's a like my family always was like is it is it super dangerous there and I was always like it's it's really not like it, it's it's a friendly country it feels by and large usually quite quiet and quite mm-hmm. safe. But then, like these spectacularly bizarre things happen, mm-hmm. and and that's when you realize you're like, oh shit! Like, this is this is a really, really dangerous place if you are doing the wrong shit or in, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. your enjoyment a series of stories from belize with dr jones like right one year when i was down there um there's in Southern Belize, which is mostly where I worked when I was a graduate student. There was a, a family that ran a, f- a ferry service twice a day that left from Punta Gorda, Belize, and went across to uh, I think it, it must have been Puerto Barrios, uh, Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And and there was a family in Puerto Barrios that also ran kind of a complimentary water taxi. So mm-hmm. like they would they would each leave in the morning and pass each other, and then in the afternoon they would come back. And the two families were pretty serious competitors with each other. But then it turned out that the family in Punta Gorda was running cocaine. Oh. So picking up deliveries in Guatemala, ferrying them into Belize, and then they were they were going north in Belize, I think, on land. Uh, but apparently, I don't know exactly what happened, but they must have been like skimming some of the cocaine or something. So, and this was a week before I was taking that water taxi to go to Guatemala. Cause it was the end of a season. I was going to go travel in the highlands of Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Um, the water taxi f- left uh, Punta Gorda in the morning from Belize. It got halfway. And like, th- I think three or four of the guys on the boat stood up and pulled guns out 
and told ev- and told everybody to jump overboard, which included a bunch of tourists and stuff. And and it it was it it was maybe a, they run like a hundred meters or so off the coast. So like the people that jumped yeah, in the yeah, water yeah. were okay. They're, yeah, they're not like in the open ocean. But so but they the the guy who was driving the boat who was a member of the family they were mm-hmm. like you stay in the boat and they just puttered off, and like three days later they found the boat like. Hidden a couple miles somewhere. up up one of the like little rivers that fed into the water, body of water um and i think eventually they found the the pilot's body they never found his head hmm. what happened oh. oh oh yeah i get it so and you know what a week later you found his head i took that fucking boat oh but they was flanked by two belize defense force boats that like accompanied us all the way over to the the dock in Guatemala. It was intense. It was probably the safest time to take the boat. But like, yeah, really. But that I mean, that's what's fucked up, right? Like, so this family, I think it was the the son of the family was killed, was murdered. Jeez. And with in less than a week, they had the boats run up and running again. Yeah, that's because it's kind of like well, man. But it's their family. It's their business. It's their livelihood. Yeah. You know, they couldn't they couldn't stop doing it. They just kept running. Crazy. So. Were they still running cocaine? Who the hell knows, man? <laughs> Probably not right at that point. But, but yeah, chill, chill out a little bit. And the alligator thing was fucked up. Like a, an expat started an alligator refuge, like like uh, rescue, and he had like a bunch of alligators in this place. And you could go and visit it and stuff. And then um, a lot of the Maya villages are pretty remote, but there's a bus that runs into to Punta Gorda from the Maya villages, and uh couple of Maya kids were put on the bus by their parents that morning to go into town to try to sell stuff at the market Mm -hmm. and they never came back so within a few hours of the bus returning without the kids on it like the parents had gone from like where the fuck are our kids to that fucking expat who owns the alligator rescue he kidnapped our kids and fed them to the alligators. What? Whoa. Wait. So like, like you un, ended up un, like founded, just, un, totally unfounded, totally ju- oh, just, just like, okay. like what happened to our kids? That's like the, they he's, never came he's back. The odd person. Clearly out. The, yeah. the, the, the outside and, and like within like, I think it was within 12 hours, like people from that village had commandeered a bus Driven Come into Punta Gordo. Bus. Luckily, the dude and his family were back in the U.S. at the time. They broke into the alligator-like refuge, hacked all the alligators to death with machetes, cutting oh them open God. to see if their kids were like fed to the alligators. Uh, didn't find anything. Burned the whole place down. Went back to their village, and the kids showed up the next day. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, like that kind of like unhinged like what the fuck get him and just like like but here's what i torching want. shit was like, somebody taking care of the alligators while he was away i well i think there was somebody like a caretaker that probably just ran off oh, okay. when, when this like horde of people showed up with like yeah, like yeah fair. machetes and oh, shit i'm just worried about the alligators but it, i mean like we we had incidents where like uh, some of the monuments at one of the sites we were working at were were partially defaced, and we went to the the village alcalde, who's kind of like the 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 mayor police dude. chief. Oh, and um, so there's a village chairman and a village alcalde, mm-hmm. and 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 they kind of share 
authority but we went and we, and you know you gotta understand this is like a, a village of like 300 people with like thatched roof like dirt floored houses and stuff we talked to alcalde who was one of the guys that worked for us and he was a, he was a great guy and we were like look like somebody went up to the site last night damaged the monuments this is an issue like this is you know these are these are important archaeological resources like this can't be happening and he's like okay i'll take care of it and then we didn't hear anything else and we talked to him maybe a week later and we're like you know so what's going on like did you look into this he's like yeah he's like yeah we we know who did it and we were like well so is what are going to be the consequences and he pretty much just told us he was like look he's like we know who did it we'll take it's care being of it. de- it's being dealt with internally <laughs> and and like and you That's realize terrifying but you realize that like basically like he pretty much told us he's like look like he's like i live in this village of like 300 people with these people's families and if i throw them in jail or report them to the authorities their families will burn my house down and like like no shit like that's exactly what happens in a lot of those villages it's it's i mean it is yikes it's kind of like frontier justice but it's it's also like it's about like internally regulating the political situation of the village without subjecting yourself to the attention of an external government right so like and and it's it they maintain order more. And that through. sounds like it's right up John McAfee's alley. Yeah, and it, exactly, exactly. It's it's kind of like we take care of our own problems, and and like it, it, we we can't like we can't and go too far out of the the like the 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 norm of maintaining peace in the community, or right. there will be repercussions that'll be right. that'll escalate into like just these extreme outbursts of violence, which are it's pretty pretty wild. Yeah, and but I mean right, and then. You know, if you if you can basically buy the loyalty of the people around you in the community who are and get them on your side, which, like I said, like in in the documentary um, by Nanette Bernstein, like John McAfee, like emails her pictures that people have taken of their documentary crew. And it's like, you know, that that plays into his kind of what he wants people to think of his like omnipresent omniscient yeah. force that he's just like has eyes everywhere when realistically people are like, you know, he probably told him, he's like, I'll pay you like a thousand dollars. If anybody comes around asking for me, take a picture of him, send it to me and just keep me in the loop. Yeah. 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 The, my dissertation advisor um, had worked in the same village that I ended up working in after I got my PhD. And um, he had, rather inadvisedly gone just to the village chairman and said, I need, I need labor Mm -hmm. and I'll pay the X amount of money. And uh, the chairman was like, cool, I'll, I'll organize it. Of course, as these things go, what the village chairman did was he only hired his relatives, (laughs) which was about half the village. And they were making by Belizean standards, a fairly decent wage. But what that did was it engendered a huge amount of animosity from all of the other families in the village that were right. not being paid. So, so their response was to set the archaeological camp on fire. What? And booby trap the road. What? Which nearly killed one of the graduate students because they set a gigantic like rock up on the side of the road, triggered so it would roll down into the road. They just ewalked that shit. Yeah, and and wow. and like and it it took out one of the 
the project vehicles and uh, almost killed the graduate student that was that's driving it. <laughs> fucking <laughs> so, my god! That's terrible. That's terrible. But that's so, fucking so, amazing. So, so my advisor basically just like packed up camp and was like, "We're fucking out of here. We're done. Like we're not going Why? to. We're we're not going to like continue to pay anybody <laughs> in this village." <laughs> Yeah, I you're mean, gonna like, get that. You're gonna get deterred by that. Come and on. and about eight years later, somebody did die. Me and oh. my co-director went back to that same village and decided that we were going to restart that same project. Oh. But you know what we did? We hired every able-bodied male in the village on a rotational basis to make sure that like everybody got learning from past mistakes. Yeah. And, and, and it sucked. What a novel concept. But it sucked because like that meant that we had to hire and train a new round of workers like every other week, which mm. was incredibly inefficient and really slowed down and the yet, process. But yeah. is but better nobody, than getting your shit burned down. Nobody got their asses set on fire. Which yeah. Was, no, was yeah. Good. No fires, no boulders coming at you, taking out your trucks. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So I, I guess it's a win-win. Yeah. Or it's a, it's a give yeah. and take. Uh, yeah. Com- cool. It's compromise. <laughs> it's compromise. Mm. All right. Do mm. we want to plug all the you know where to find social us. media If stuff? you're listening to us, you've you've already done it. If you're hearing this. You probably live you with do, us. Yeah. You, <laughs> you've done it. You know where to find us because you're listening to us. So I don't get why you need to know this information. But just say so anyway. you know what? Why don't you take a fucking second look at your own life, mm. and also like us on Facebook, Valley of Hearts Delight. Uh, if you have any ideas, um, you know, for, s- for stuff, Sp- spread the podcast around. Tell, yeah. tell your friends about it. I think that's the biggest thing. If you're hearing this, uh, if you're hearing this, you're already listening to this. So what you need to do is like the Pakistani brain is you just keep on replicating yourself. You keep on, you share it with somebody else or whatever other kind of virus or STD or infectious disease that you would like spread the gospel of the Valley of hearts delight. And, uh, you know, share it at your family Christmas. Uh, I think that's probably when this is going to come out. Cool. Nice. All right. Uh, right. VOHDpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks. Love you. Thanks. Bye. No! 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 Why? Why would anyone do that?